Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to Leader Manager Coach Podcast. It's Rob Riles welcoming you to a new edition. Great to have you with us. I hope you're enjoying the content and um, we're really excited to be able to share all the different aspects of leadership, management and coaching. Now today I want to briefly talk about something that has been around for a long time. It's a subject that is referred to in different ways. And it's something that many, many eminent successful people put down as possibly and probably in some cases indefinitely in others. It's put down as the number one key attribute and the number one reason that these people have been successful. And it's been particularly pertinent in the coaching that I've been doing this week and some of the aspects that I've been exploring in terms of player development. Now, the subject that I'm talking about is called the mastermind principle. And I'm not sure whether everybody understands what the mastermind principle is or knows what the mastermind principle is. Um, but the first time I came across it and having researched the subject this week, it appears that Napoleon Hill, the eminent author of Think and Grow Rich and numerous other books that have withstood the test of time and is still one of the all-time bestsellers in terms of book sales throughout the world. Napoleon Hill, in his famous book, Think and Grow Rich, went into great detail about the mastermind principle, and he devoted one of his chapters to the mastermind principle. And what we're talking about with the mastermind principle, in a nutshell or very briefly, is a situation whereby a group of people, and that can be more than one. It is usually more than one. It doesn't have to be a certain number, but it's normally it's not normally considered to be in in the principles that, in the way that we're talking about. It's not normally considered to be just two, although there is a mastermind created when two one or more people get together. When two people get together, and you know it can be it can be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It can be even more than that. There's no specific number. But what the all the literature points towards and the the writings point towards is that when minds get together, so two people come together, three people, however many it is, they there is created a separate and third mind or a separate mind that is made up of the constituent minds that come together. So if a group of people get together for a board meeting or a club meeting or a management meeting or a staff meeting the 
constituent minds who are there, the six or seven people, create a an extra mind, which is the result of all those minds added together. And that is essentially what the mastermind principle is. And Napoleon Hill, in his book, he obviously referenced Andrew Carnegie, the great steel magnitude, became the richest man in the world at one point um, as, as somebody who who emin- you know was eminently involved in in the mastermind principle and Hill extrapolated this and went on to to discuss it in great detail so when we're talking about the mastermind principle how can it relate to us and how can it relate to you and your players and your success and your life and your journey how can you benefit from that well it's highly likely unless you're a hermit and you you live completely on your own and you don't engage with people, which is unlikely to be the case, that you do have a number of mastermind relationships that go on, whether you know that they're mastermind relationships or not. They are mastermind relationships. And they can be created consciously or on purpose, or I suppose they can be created unconsciously, or they can just be as a result of, of having a relationship. Now, I'm not here to say whether a mastermind is is successful or not, dependent on whether it's whether it's created on purpose or not. But one of the, the key things that if you believe in it is that you can actually be very proactive in, in creating your own mastermind group. Now, let's say you are a business owner or let's say you are a manager and you wish to see a project through or you want to create a team of people that will see a project through or take something to fruition or produce something, then when you go out and you you select those team members, the people with the attributes, the people who you wish to be part of your team, then you select them for, for reasons that suit. And when you are engaged with them, when you relate to them, what Hill talks about is that you create a mastermind with them and there's almost this intangible unknown that uses the principle of you know two plus two equals seven that you can bring two people together three people together four five six seven or eight people together and the combined knowledge of those people the combined efforts of those people the alignment of those people can produce results that far outweigh what you think would have been produced by those people with their with their own attributes it's like when you add something together something else is created in addition to just the sum of the parts and it's the same principle isn't it as two cart horses or two beautiful shire horses if you like or Clydesdales who can pull a a load can pull a plow of 10,000 pounds in weight. And if you, on their own, and if you add them together, you get two two beautiful horses and put them, they can, they can produce a force that can pull something like 35,000 pounds in weight. So you don't get two horses that can pull 10,000 pounds producing 20,000 pounds of pull. You get two horses added together who produce 35,000 pounds worth of pull. And that's the kind of principle, the analogy that I'm going to use when we talk about a mastermind principle. So 
how how can we look at that in our in our life? Well, we'll come to that one in a minute. But um, and what I'm going to do in in towards the end of this is I'm going to share with you some uh, some information about our mastermind that um, that that I've I've had for a long time. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a a bit of a reveal. Um, but I hope that it, it might give you a little bit of an insight. Um, there's just to, just to, just to develop the idea a little bit more. There's a there's actually a thought process that uh, has been around for a long, long time, and it's not new, and it's certainly not not something that I've created or come up with. Um, Anthony Robbins talks about it a great deal, and it comes under the under the banner of modeling, I suppose. So you, if you want to achieve something, if you want to be successful at something, if you choose an icon if you choose a mentor whether you know them or not or you choose somebody that you aspire to be like if you wanted to be the world's best swimmer then you would choose somebody like Mark Spitz for example from my era or Michael Phelps or whoever that may be or whoever it is in your industry or your sphere or your or your your arena and you would possibly watch videos of them you would possibly go to seminars where they speak or where the people who work with them speak or you would go on courses or you will read books or whatever means it was to get the information about that person about how they how they performed so that you could actually take what they've done take the the steps that they've possibly taken taken and introduce them into your own arena and that's one way of getting getting on 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 the journey if you like by copying people who've already been successful and it makes sense because they've already made the mistakes and they've got lots and lots of experience that they can pass on and that's that's not a new thing and one of the things that I was many many years ago was taught to ask myself was what would such a person do in this situation and if we go off the sport subject for for a minute and go on to you know spiritual or religious aspects there are there are actual religions that that are based upon um depending on what your religious leaning is if it's christianity there's there's a there's whole whole a whole religion based on um what would what would jesus do in this in this context what would jesus do at this point in time what would he do so that people put put this person at the pinnacle of of how they should act of how they should think of how they should be and constantly ask themselves the question what would such a person what would such a being do in this situation what would if we take it into a sporting arena what would Diego Maradona do in this situation what would Pele do in this situation what would Lionel Messi do in this situation what would Roger Federer do in this situation whatever it is and you know that's something that that you can use which in, in essence, is a mastermind principle, albeit not a physical one. Um, and I'll come on come on to that one in a minute. Um, there's there's a lot of evidence that suggests that your net worth, your financial worth, your net worth will be the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. So, if you spend all your time with people who are earning the same amount of money as you 
and are in the same socioeconomic group as you, the chances are, according to the research, that you will be about that average net worth or income. So that's why people aspire to spend time and people aspire to and encourage people to network and join groups and clubs and communicate and relate to and with people who are where they want to be. So if you wanted to you know, be a multimillionaire, you wanted to be a business owner, you wanted to be a property magnet, or you wanted to be a sporting icon, then you are well advised, according to the literature, to spend as much time as you possibly can in the company of people who are where you want to be. And I'm not suggesting it's some kind of physical osmosis where you get the chance to touch their arm and all their magic suddenly runs into your body and you become that person. It's not, it's obviously, you know, not like that. But the power of association is very, very powerful. And if you doubt me, ask any parent, any parent who would want their the best for their for their children would in in all honesty probably be advising them and actually making some efforts to control if i can use that word to ensure that their children were spending time and focusing on environments and people that were conducive to their success so if there were a group of individuals in your environment or you're around the corner in the next street who were possibly known as um, people who didn't, who broke the law and who were not uh, acting in ways that you considered suitable, were possibly dealing in um, stolen goods or substances that weren't conducive to health, then I don't think that most parents would be happy to allow their children to associate with, with such people. It's called the power of association. You know, my, my, uh, when I was brought up, I was kind of just probably like everybody else or most people anyway said, said, you know, who are you going out with? Where are you going? And, you know, it was considered to be appropriate to spend time with people who, you know, your your parents or guardians thought were were appropriate people. They wouldn't be too happy about you spending time with people that they thought were criminals or weren't acting in, in, in the right way. And I'm sure we've all come across it in some form or other because it's the power of the mastermind. And um, however way, which way you analyze it, then the power of association is a phenomenal one. So that's what, what underlies the mastermind principle. That's why people go to network meetings. That's why people create groups because things rub off on each other. People share things, people develop relationships. And as we said, we've talked about two plus two equals seven. So, you can create your own mastermind group. You can go to network meetings. You can, you know, spend your time with with people that, uh, that that you think are, that you aspire to be like. And if you, let's say you wanted to be somebody successful in your industry, it may not be possible for you to actually go and spend physical time with them, but it's highly possible that you can access their work you can access people who know them. You can access people, their books, their tapes, their podcasts, their media, their YouTube channels, and associated media that will influence you in a way that is relative to a mastermind principle. And 
then things will develop. It's kind of baby steps things, isn't it? You know, you read the books, you, you maybe go to a seminar, you go to a, a training session and you meet somebody who has met them or you meet somebody who has followed one of their courses and you get access to more material and you may develop a, a relationship with that person. So it's it's all about creating that mastermind principle in in its in its many many different forms and one of the things that napoleon hill talks about is is the mastermind principle that um isn't isn't necessarily um a physical one but is more of a mental mastermind principle which i'll just come come on to in a second but just to finish off the actual mastermind principle in terms of you know the physical masterminds it might be that you're you're an aspiring player and no matter what your sport is, you will probably, in all, in all honesty, have a coach. And the relationship that you have with your coach will be, will create a mastermind principle. Now, you may have a, a technical coach. You may have a sports science advisor or a sports scientist. You may have a physiotherapist. You may have a, an agent, depending on where you are in your career. You know, you may have an assistant coach. You may have you know, a sibling or a parent who advises you. And as a group of people, if everybody contributes, there sits and exists a mastermind principle. Now, having a mastermind principle does not automatically make you or it a success because in all honesty, things have to be aligned and things have to be pointing in the right direction. So if you, how many people out there have, have had an experience whereby a group of people do not create a successful outcome or create partially successful outcomes which are a bit bumpy and a bit grindy and a bit kind of glitchy and and, and these things need ironing out because everybody isn't on the same page and how many times have you experienced something that's just flown through and taken wings and become really successful it may not happen overnight but it, it gets to a point you know, like the Sky Team in cycling, Dave, Dave Brailsford Sky Team in cycling, or Liverpool's great backroom staff in the Shankly area. There'll be hundreds of examples if you if you um, if you trawl through, but where things go really smoothly because the mastermind principle is on song. People are rowing in the same way; they're pulling in the same direction, whichever phrase you want to use it, and everything is going towards the same aim or in the flow nobody's rowing against the stream if you like and you can create your own mastermind principle by choosing who it is that you wish to spend your time with and who you want to be on your team and associating yourself and it may not happen overnight but that's something you can you can decide to do and um, I often think you know if it's right because it feels right you know if it feels right the chances are that something is is going to be relatively positive about it. So that's the mastermind principle. So the thing you perhaps want to be asking yourself is who's on your mastermind team and do you want somebody else on your mastermind team and do you want a specific type of person on your mastermind team? And if you do, it's it's about putting the baby steps and the research and the and and moving towards that, putting them into into process so that you can move towards creating that that kind of mastermind principle. So moving away from the physical, actual mastermind principle of having a group of people to work with. Um, Napoleon Hill actually talked about the mastermind principle, the, the mental mastermind principle. And he talked about creating a group of people for you yourself personally 
where you take people that you would like to spend time with, people you admire, people who are probably your icons, people who've been before you, trailblazers, big hitters, whatever you want to call them, people who've changed the world, people who you admire. And those people may be dead or alive, but you, you know, according to Napoleon Hill, and it's well worth a read and a review, can create your own mastermind principle in your own mind. And you can do it really formally, where you actually sit down and do a meditation session and actually allow a conversation to actually occur and it will obviously all be mentally between the people of those mastermind groups and Napoleon Hill used to sit around a table and he had his mastermind he described his mastermind group members in detail sitting around this table and discussing things that he wanted answers to now you may not do it that formally but you may have the have in your mind in your own mental mastermind group certain key people who you admire and who you wish that you could have on speed dial as Rob Moore calls it you could speed dial them up and say hi it's such a body here can I ask you this question what do you think about this and Hill says that you you have access to their thought processes now whether you believe that or not is another thing that there's an awful lot of people who believe that all the all the all the thoughts and all all the lives that have gone before and all the evidence and everything that's that's created never never ever dies and never goes away and it's all there to be accessed if people can get into the right state of mind and right frame of mind to allow that now whether you believe that or not that's that is another issue but um some of you may be maybe brave enough and maybe honest and open enough to think do you know what that's something that um if it worked for napoleon hill and it worked for for other people then maybe that's something that's that's worth trying and can can help me. But um, I I've certainly created my own mastermind group, um, my own mental mastermind group, and I don't mind sharing some of those some of the members of that. Um, it's not, it's not something that um, I'm, I'm uh, precious about hiding. It, in all honesty, uh, a lot of you know that um, my probably my all time hero, my all time number one hero in terms of um, the person who inspired me from a very young age is Bill Shankly, who born in the village of Glenbuck in Ayrshire and became the uh, the famous Liverpool manager and who is, you know, the, the guy who put in the foundations for the, the great successes of, of Liverpool and so much more than the club itself, just um, the whole background that, that Bill, Bill facilitated. And Bill Shankly's one of my mastermind group members and um i often think what would shanks do in this situation what would he think and i can almost hear his rasping scottish voice coming out with an instantaneous answer that just cuts through everything and moves through it with total confidence because that's how shanks was he he was a great orator and he had a great a great voice and an instantaneous almost response to things that were said to him and he exuded this kind of confidence and that's that that's how bill 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 appears to me what well, and growing up one, one of my other great heroes as as i'm sure this is the same for many 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 people of my era um and and before and and after is uh, muhammad ali and Ali, uh, just like you 
or many others. I was, you know, in total of awe of Muhammad when he was when he was in his prime, and he, he you know, I've I've read about Ali, and um, one of the stats is is phenomenal. His he he actually, according to the to the research, correctly predicted when he he made um, about. I forget how many predictions it was, but he was something like 19 out of 20 times correct when he, when he predicted the, the 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 round of the fight that he would win in. So he said, this fight will be stopped in three or be stopped in four or, or I'll win in five, etc., etc. And he usually had a poetic rhyme to it. Um, you know, he'll hit the floor in four or whatever it was. Um, he was right 19 out of 20 times, according to the research, which is absolutely phenomenal. Now, Ali's confidence and his exuberance and his total self-belief just used to mesmerize me. And I often think, how would Muhammad think in this situation? And that's kind of when I think I need a little bit of confidence and self-belief. Um, because, you know, I don't think Ali ever showed it did he? he never showed that he had any doubts he just was the greatest and that that's what he he portrayed and that's how he acted so Muhammad Ali is one of my mastermind group members and I'm sure he could be a member of many other people's groups as well now another two of my group members I'll talk about one of them is um, a hero of mine called Nelson Mandela and um, I'm sure there's nobody out there who doesn't know who, who Madibar was. Obviously, Nelson Mandela was the president of South Africa and was the guy who was incarcerated on Robben Island for many years and led the campaign against the apartheid system in, in South Africa. And um, if anybody fancies reading a book, it's called The Long Walk to Freedom. Um, it's a, a big book, but wow. Wow, what what a book. And um, it's Mandela's way of telling his own story. And uh, wow, not much to say about that. But, you know, just if you, if you have any interest whatsoever in learning about somebody who believed in what they were doing, was totally committed to what they were doing and was prepared to put their life on the line for, for what they believed in and was determined to succeed and did it in the most the most amazing way um, than, you know, Nelson Mandela is your, is, is your man, really. Um, so, yeah, I, I, he's somebody that I, I, would, I would ask a question and have... It, not like Shanks, who would come out with it with an instantaneous answer, but would possibly think about it. But you knew the words that would come out of Nelson Mandela's mouth would be considered ones and would have a a complete foundation of wisdom on them. And they, you would consider that whatever answer he gave you would be right. And that's how I how I envision Nelson Mandela. And. Another or the final one I want to talk about in my mastermind group, just to help maybe along help the thing along. If you, I don't know, just to share something is um, is Mother Teresa, and this this remarkable lady is somebody who I think is grossly misunderstood. I think um, to the 
to the, a lot of the public, she was this meek and mild nun who worked the streets of Calcutta and declined or refused to embrace any kind of wealth or or well-being and spent her life ministering to the to the sick and the poorly in the streets of Calcutta. Well, yes, on the face of it, that's what she did. But when you delve a little bit deeper, this is one powerful lady who who has more to her character and more to her than 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 just that facade. Who yes, she spent her life doing what she did, but she also had relationships with the world's rich and powerful, and she utilized resources and sources that she wouldn't have been able to utilize if she hadn't developed and related to areas of life that weren't just involved in in the poverty of Calcutta. Um, and the way that she, I don't know, um, the way that this lady just almost slipped away out of out of the uh, the physical life and, and passed away um, just a couple of weeks after uh, Princess Diana's passing, um, as if she, uh, when the world was mourning Princess Diana, she almost slipped her out of the back door, which um, was just, just like, just like her and her way of doing things. And I, I think she is one ruthless, tough, tough cookie um, that would put you straight and give you an answer that would be empathic, but would be strong and would be ruthlessly correct. And I don't think she'd mind stepping on toes. She was a, uh, an icon for me, uh, Mother Teresa. So I've just shared with you four of the members of my mastermind group there. I've kind of opened up a little bit and and maybe to you that's surprising. And maybe you think, wow, you know, well, I can't believe how would Mother Teresa relate to somebody who's, who's into leadership management and coaching? Well, um, that's why our mastermind groups are our mastermind groups. And um, I've only mentioned them and shared them just so... Um, it might give you an idea of of why you might be asking asking questions and why you might be considering people in your mastermind group. And there's no right or wrong answers. So who's in your mastermind group? Do you want to create a mastermind group? And how do you think it can help you on your way? Well, I hope that stimulated some thought processes. Um, I hope that's that's helped you a little bit. If you do want to connect, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm also on Facebook, and uh, it's www.robriles.co.uk. Leader, manager, coach, I hope you've enjoyed listening, and we'll catch you again with another episode. Until then, bye-bye.